Hello and welcome to the Alive Church in Newark podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We hope that you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged and inspired to pursue the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. This morning, I'm continuing our series on David. So David after God's own heart. It's a fantastic series so far. I'm sure you'd all agree. Um, I love hearing about David and David's life. And it's something that I mean, a lot of us are quite aware of some of the stories, aren't we? David and Goliath and things like that. And sometimes you can feel so aware of those stories and feel like you know so much that you're not sure what else you could learn or a different way of seeing it. But I love how God always reveals something new because it's to do with what we're going through at that time as well. And God always reveals something more to us. So this morning we are looking at a prepared heart. A prepared heart. I'm not always the most prepared person. No, I see, actually, I, mean, I don't know if that's true. Certain things I can be really prepared and other things I'm not very prepared at all. So when I was thinking about this, I remembered a story of uh, a time when I was less prepared. And I'm sure we can all remember those times when maybe, you know, you've gone into a situation feeling really prepared and you know what the outcome's been and then you've gone into a situation feeling less prepared and the outcome's probably not been what you wanted. Um, And I was thinking about how Ollie and I were quite recently married and we'd just moved into our house in Newark and I really didn't like the wallpaper in our bedroom. Decided, didn't like it, want to get rid of it. And uh, I'd come home from work, Ollie was still on his way back from work and I just looked at it and I thought, it's going, I'm going to get rid of it right now. And I had no tools, I didn't put anything down, I didn't move any furniture, I just started ripping this wallpaper (laughs) off, just ripping it off the wall, no plan. What's going to happen to the wall once I've done that? Just wanted to get rid of it. And bless him, Ollie comes home and he's like, oh, uh, we're getting rid of this wallpaper, are we? And I was like, yep, it's gone, it's going. And in some ways it was probably quite good because it meant that we got rid of it and sorted it out sooner than we probably would have done if I hadn't just started peeling at the wall. But I wasn't prepared. I didn't have any equipment. I just went for it and uh, made a bit of a mess of the wall and the floor. But there we go, we're all okay about it now, aren't we? (laughs) We've discussed it, we're fine. He's forgiven me. (laughs) We know lots of different quotes about preparation, don't we? Prior preparation, I always forget this one. (laughs) Prevents poor performance. And uh, fails prepare, prepare to fail. There's lots of different things that we're taught from quite a young age, you know, preparation is so key. And uh, when we read the story of David, we know that he was anointed king in 1 Samuel 16, but it's not for 20 years later that he is then actually becomes the king in 2 Samuel 5. So that's 20 years of time that could feel like wasted time, but actually is a time where God is preparing David's heart for what is to come. It's an important time uh, in David's life. And it's not just a fun time of uh, being with God and doing fun things and learning what it means to be king and like having nice dinners and feasts and stuff. It's a time of real pressure for David. He is pursued (laughs) by the current king. His life is, uh, is wanted and It's a time, a really painful time for him because not only is he afraid of what is going to happen, but also King Saul was his friend. 
King Saul was his friend, and now his friend has turned against him and wants to kill him. And so it's a really painful time for David as well. But it's not a wasted time. What he learned in those 20 years helped him into all that God had prepared for him to step into. Charles Spurgeon said, if I had 25 years left to live, I would spend 20 of those in preparation. And we see it in the life of Jesus, don't we? Um, Jesus lives for 33 years before he goes to the cross. 30 of those years are less known about. And then there's three years of this public ministry. And it's not that those 30 years were wasted. You could easily look at that, couldn't you? And think, well, if he'd spent 33 years you know, telling people about who he was and performing miracles. And well, maybe there'd be more people that believe in him. But actually, there's, there's a plan, there's a purpose. And those 30 years were not wasted. And so there's four things this morning, uh, four lessons that I feel David learned during that time. And one is the importance of relationships, good, solid relationships. The other is integrity, having integrity. The third one is self-leadership. And the final one is patience. You could be, um, or David could be forgiven if we look at his life to maybe not believe or see the importance of relationships. We know that his dad didn't really believe in him. He didn't bring him to the lineup when King Saul came to to visit the family. His brothers mocked him and were jealous of him. He was a shepherd and that's not really a teamwork job. And uh, then also what we see is with King Saul, you know, this friendship he's built, this relationship, and then that turns against him. So David would be, we'd forgive David maybe if he didn't see the high importance of relationships. And yet through, through his life, through those 20 years and beyond that into his time as king, we do see that he puts real importance in relationships. There's Jonathan, who's King Saul's son. And uh, we see in 1 Samuel 20, this exchange between David and Jonathan, where David's saying, look, Jonathan, your dad wants to kill me, and, and I don't understand why, and I've obviously done something against him. And Jonathan's saying, no, don't, don't worry, I'm with you, I'm for you, I love you. And look, my dad won't do anything without speaking to me first. I will find out. I'll find out what's going on, and I'll let you know. And they come up with a plan, and it's uh, over a feast time, and David... And Jonathan and King Saul and some of the other uh, leaders of the time were going to be gathering together to celebrate this festival and have a feast. And Jonathan says, David, don't come. I tell you what, don't come. And um, I'll give you a sign to let you know how my dad reacts to that. And then we'll know if he's for you or if he's against you. And so David said, well, you know, well, in fact, Jonathan said to David, hide behind this rock. I'm going to shoot some arrows. And if the arrows, um, if I tell the, the boy who's with me who's fetching the arrows that the arrows have gone beyond where the rock is, then that means you need to go. And uh, my dad, King Saul, is against you. If I say, oh, I think they're to the left of the rock, then you are safe. And King Saul is for you. And he puts himself in that situation of going against his dad, not just his dad, the king, and, uh, and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. And I'm going to make sure you're okay. And so we see Jonathan, he goes to this feast and the first day, his dad doesn't say anything. King Saul doesn't mention that David's not there. There's just an empty chair. And then the next day, he says to Jonathan, where, where is David? And Jonathan replies and says, oh, I've told him he can go and celebrate with his own family. 
And King Saul reacts really badly to this. He's not happy. He says he gets annoyed with Jonathan and says, you've, you know, you've gone against my, my will and my word. And, and he's not happy. And so Jonathan knows at this point, okay, my dad, King Saul, is not for David. He is against him and I must let him know. So he goes and, and he tells him um, with the arrows, which is a very good way of doing it. Um, and then just after that, so in 1 Samuel 22, so David has fled, uh, he's run off, he's by himself, and he goes to, um, he's just kind of hiding out in a cave, and then suddenly, well, I don't know if it's necessarily suddenly, but uh, 400 men come to him. So David doesn't go out saying, I've been mistreated, I'm, you know, King Saul is against me for no reason, come and join me, join me, I'm, woe is me, you know, join my side. These people come to him, they come to him and they say, we know and see that you are being mistreated and we want to be with you, we want to stick with you, we know it's going to be tough, there's going to be battles. We know that choosing to be with you means that we're choosing to be against the king. We know that's dangerous, but we are with you, we are for you, and we're with you till the end. And so there's those real important relationships that David has around him. And then throughout that, we see that into his time as king with Nathan and Joab and many other people relationships are important and God places us in relationship all of us for um or for good reasons and then the second lesson that we see that David is learning in this 20 years of preparation is integrity David walked with integrity throughout those 20 years it was not easy but he chose to obey God and uh during that time, his life was in danger. He was being hunted. In just two chapters, 1 Samuel 18 and 19, we see that King Saul tries to kill David 12 times. This isn't a joke, you know, he's, he's in grave danger. But David trusts in God. He, at every moment, goes back to God and asks him what he should do. What should I do in this situation? Do I go and fight people in this land or not? And in every moment, he consults God on what God's plan is. And then there's, we see that there's two occasions that David actually has where he could kill King Saul. There's one where King Saul comes into the cave that he's in and he's hidden at the back. And, and not only does he have that opportunity, but the people around him say to him, you should do it. God has delivered him into your hands. This is your enemy. God has delivered him into your hands. You know, this is your opportunity. And yet, David just sneaks up, cuts off a corner of his garment, because he knows that God and God alone has placed King Saul on the throne and it is up to God when that ends. And then the second time is when King Saul, he's asleep and, and again, you know, David comes in and he gets to stand next to his head. He pulls the spear out of the ground next to his head whilst he's asleep and the water jug and nobody notices. And again, the people around him say, Praise God, he has delivered our enemy into your hands. This is your opportunity. And again, David says, no, now is not the time. And he goes away and, uh, because he is obeying what God has said to him. Although we know that David doesn't always get things right in his life and in his time as king especially, 
He shows integrity and he is teachable and he is accountable. And that's a big difference between King Saul and David. David is teachable and accountable. And then the third lesson is self-leadership. In 1 Samuel 30, David and his army go to fight the Philistines. And while they are fighting, I can tell you lots of little stories here, but it's just a really exciting part of the Bible to read. So I would highly recommend reading all these stories yourself because these are paraphrases, as you may have realized. These are not exactly reading from the Bible. Um, But uh, they go off to fight the Philistines. And when they come back to where they were, where their families are and all their belongings in Ziklag, Everything is gone. The uh, wives and children have been kidnapped. It's been burned to the ground. Their cattle's been taken away by another army. And so at this point, David's mighty men are not very happy with David. They want to kill him. They want to stone him. They are angry with him. You took us away and look what's happened and all of my belongings have gone. Everything I have, my wife, my children, everything has gone. I have nothing left and it's your fault. I don't know how I would have responded. I don't know how you think you might have responded in that moment. But I probably would have got a bit annoyed and maybe got angry back. Uh, Maybe told them that I was doing my best and, you know, it's not my fault and, and, and got a bit annoyed. But actually what we read in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's self leadership even though everyone around him, there wasn't a strong relationship in that moment saying to him, you need to pray, you need to worship, we need to seek God on what to do next. He, used, he took authority of his own life. He went with self-leadership and said, I need to go and strengthen myself in the Lord. And uh, we can read in the Psalms, we can imagine what that would have been like because we have the Psalms, the songs that David wrote of praise and worship, but also the songs of anguish, of pain, of fear. They are all in the Psalms. So we can imagine what that strengthening in the Lord's presence would have been like. It would have looked like raw, authentic worship and praise and prayer and seeking God on his knees because we can read that. We know how David strengthened himself in the presence of God. David consistently sought God throughout those 20 years. And that's a long time, isn't it, to be waiting for a promise to come. That's a really long time to be wandering around thinking, what is happening? David learned the need to trust in God's timing and not just in God's purposes. God had told him what was to come, but he had to trust in God's timing as well. And I think, again, we can, we can imagine maybe what the, the questions that David had in that time, the thoughts that he had. And maybe, again, maybe this is just me. Maybe David didn't think these things. But I wonder if he did think, has God forgotten me? Did I really hear from God? Where is God right now? Is this what he's called me to do? Am I in the right place? Did I make all of this up? Does God even love me? You can imagine, or I can imagine, what thoughts I would have had during that time and possibly the thoughts that David had as well. And actually, like I said, we do read that in the Psalms. He says things like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are real words of, God, where are you? 
I've been, you've told me to do this thing. I didn't want to do this. I was happy being a shepherd. And you've pulled me out. And God, I feel like you've forsaken me. Where are you? My enemies surround me, God. Where are you? Help me, Lord. Make haste and deliver me. These are words that we read in the Psalms that David wrote. Make haste and deliver me. 20 years is not very fast. And yet, he still had patience. He still waited and trusted in God. He sought God. He sought God's will. He sought God's will for everything that he did. And he gathered around himself strong friends. And we also read in the Psalms, not just during this 20 years of real difficulty, We don't just read the hard things, but we read things like in Psalm 36, verses 5 and 6. David says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. So even in those moments of real difficulty, of feeling like he's alone, still He's saying things like, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord of the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. And in Psalm 31, in verses 21 and 22, he says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. So we can think the thoughts that he was thinking, we can read them here. I'm cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. We can see his strong passion in God and his belief that God is with him and God is for him. And it doesn't mean that there is an absence of questioning or fear or difficulties but he showed what it means to follow God and to sacrifice much when you, uh, through his faith and belief in all that God had for him. So David showed great patience and great pay- praise in the waiting. Not just patience, but also great praise. And we can read that in the Psalms. There's so many wonderful Psalms of David to read that can give you a real insight into what he was thinking and feeling during those 20 years. He didn't give up. He waited and he trusted because he knew it would come to pass. All that God had said would come to pass. And I'll ask us a couple of questions this morning. And these are just for us to individually ponder, to think about. Um, and, and yeah, and just, just individually. So I'm not going to ask anybody to, to share anything or anything like that. But just some questions for us to think about based on what we can learn through the life of David. The first one is, who have you got around you to comfort you, champion you, challenge you, and to love you and pray for you on a bad day and a good day? Do you show integrity? Do you hold firmly to what God has said, even when others think you are weak, silly, wrong, or even that you should give up? those promises that you feel God's spoken over your life? Do you show integrity and hold on to them? Do you 
listen to God's voice above the other voices that are around you? Are you taking personal responsibility in your walk with Jesus? Are you learning how to strengthen yourself in God's presence like David did? How is your prayer life? How is your Bible reading? And have you given up on the promise? Have you given up on the promise that you felt God speak to you maybe 20 years ago? Maybe 30 years ago? We live in a fast-paced culture now, don't we, where we want answers and actions and things to happen now. You know? But actually, God has been the same throughout all of all of time, God hasn't gone, oh, we're in a fast-paced culture now. I better respond fast. I better give them what they want fast. I better uh, fulfill the promises and the words I've spoken over their lives quickly because that's what they need in this culture. No, God's timing is absolute and God's timing is perfect. The same timing that he had for David is the same timing that he has for us. And sometimes God calls us to wait patiently. But that time of waiting doesn't have to be wasted time. Like we can see, David learns so much during this time that it means it's not wasted time. Have you forgotten to see what God is teaching you in the waiting? Ask God. God, you, you promised me, you told me, I felt you speak to me, God, I'm sure it was you, you said to me, that this thing would come to pass and I'm waiting and I want it sooner but Lord what are you teaching me during this time please show me tell me let me know what are you teaching me in this waiting and God will hear you the waiting is not just waiting the waiting is the preparation and the preparation is part of the promise David couldn't have just become king straight away. This was part of the promise of God. God promised that he would become king, but this was part of that journey. He had to go through the 20 years. He had to go through the hiding from King Saul. He had to go through the time of being away from his family and it wasn't comfortable and he was sleeping in caves and on the floor. And he had to go through that time. That was part of the promise. He couldn't have had his time as king without those 20 years. So don't miss the promise because you're not ready for the waiting and the time of preparation. They're just as important as the promise. In fact, arguably more important than the promise because that's when God is doing a great work in us to prepare us for all he's called us to step into. And that's really exciting. That's really exciting. So I want to pray. I want to pray for any of us who feel that, first of all, that we have had a promise spoken over our lives by God. And maybe it was so long ago you've even forgotten what it was. <laughs> I want to ask that God would remind us of it but also that God would teach us what he wants us to learn in that waiting, that he would show us what it is, that we would be open and teachable to know 
what God wants us to learn in that waiting. So I'm going to pray for that first, for those of us who feel that. And this is a moment between you and God. And I'm not going to ask anyone to raise hands or anything like that. But uh, this is a moment for you and God. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can come before you and dig into your word and just see your mighty hand moving throughout history. These are not made up stories, but David lived, David fought, David struggled, David praised and prayed. And we get to learn through that. And this morning, God, I ask, would you come to us? Would you speak to our hearts where we feel like there's things that are no longer coming to pass, that we've waited for so long that maybe we even feel a bit weary thinking about? God, I pray for those of us who are waiting for the promise, the promise we feel you've spoken over our lives. God, I pray we'd hear from you this morning, tonight, this week, next week, whatever your timing is. We trust in your timing. Would you fill us with your strength and passion to pursue after that promise, but also would you put people around us who we can share that with, who can pray for us, who can lift us up, who can ask us what's going on and how it is. And also, God, would you help us to come to you for that as well? That we'd come to you and ask you, Lord, what are you teaching me during this time? What do you want me to learn? Would you help us to be patient? Trusting in everything you have for us. Trusting in your absolutely perfect timing. Trusting that you are with us in the waiting. Amen. And then I also want to pray this morning for those of us who maybe feel, well, I don't even know if I've ever really heard God speak a promise over my life. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I have, maybe I haven't. I don't know what that would even sound like. And so I want to pray this morning for anybody who's feeling that way or anybody who thinks, actually, you know, I could do with another promise. <laughs> God doesn't just give us one promise over our lives. So I'm going to pray for those of us who might be feeling that way. Lord God, you are good. You are our creator. You are our alpha and our omega. You know everything about us, every hair on our head, every part of our body. You knit together in our mother's womb. Not only that, but you spoke over us before we were anything. You spoke over our lives and you spoke purpose and plans and promises for us and so Lord I pray this morning would you speak to us God what, it, what is it that you are calling us to do what promise have you spoken over my life where do you want to lead me God I'm open I'm willing show me teach me What is my life if I'm not living it for your promises? What have you created me to do in this world? What is your plan for me, God? Where have you called me? What passion?
passion have you put into my heart? What experience have I been through that you can use to strengthen those around me? Lord, what is your promise over my life? so much for joining with us we hope you enjoyed the message today if you did enjoy you can subscribe to hear more from Alive Church Newark you can share this message with your friends or you can share on your social media pages we hope and pray you have a great week and meet with God God bless you